So, for the last uh, 22 weeks, we've been on one series. Faces in the crowd, the lives and legacy of the people of God. And out of uh, that 23 weeks, for 11 weeks now, we've been talking about one guy. Who's the guy? Moses. Somebody said, good job. There's at least two people that paid attention over the course of 10, 11 weeks. Now, uh, before I begin, have you ever heard this word, crescendo? Do you guys, do you guys know this word? A few, of you, a few of you do. Crescendo, uh, it means the loudest point reached in a, a gradually increasing sound. Or the highest point reached in a progressive increase of intensity. So if you ever hear an orchestra playing and they build up and it just gets louder and louder and louder. And at the very peak, that's the crescendo. And over the course of several weeks now, the Lord has been demonstrating his wrath, his judgments, his, his, his wrath on the nation of Egypt. And if you haven't noticed, it's been building up. And today, we are, we are going to reach the crescendo. Now, last week when we left off, just to review, we were looking at plague six through nine. So uh, plague six, we had to deal with boils. All right. Plague seven, uh, severe weather is an understatement. It was hail so big that it killed animals and people. This is, this is a crazy thought and fire. So it burned fields bare. We had to deal with locusts that ate everything that was left that was green. And then the last, <laughs> you had to be here last week to understand the gravity of what we're talking about. Yeah, you're right, locusts do that, but there's never been a swarm of locusts like those locusts. And last but not least, three days of darkness. Like the kind of darkness that you get when you're in a cave. And fascinatingly enough, we were able to turn and look at, at the, again, the, the newspaper of the day, the Ipawar Papyrus, dated 14, and, and see them record these events outside of the Bible. Hey, this stuff happened, and this was scary stuff. Scary, scary, scary stuff. And God, we've seen, he was, he was drawing a line. He was saying, look, you're either with me or you're against me. And if you are with me, you're, you're okay. But if you are against, if you're on the other side of that line, you're in big trouble here. And I'm going to make a distinction, a separation between uh, my people and the people that have rejected me. And, well, we ended with these thoughts that, A, God does draw a line in the sand. He makes a distinction between his children and the children of the devil. That's what he says. He said, we're not all God's children. They're all God's children. And if you've accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you've responded, then congratulations. You've been adopted into the family, and you're one of God's children. Have not? That's not, that's, that's, Jesus has a different phrase that he uses for the Pharisees when they question who their father is, when they try to make some claims. Secondly, the Lord Jesus Christ will separate the children of light from the children of darkness. And we looked at the, the great big picture. But again, I, I just, I just want to leave you, as, as we work through these things, with the idea of the crescendo, that we're building towards something here tonight. And when we left off, we had a very proud Pharaoh who, in spite of three days of dark, in spite of all these crazy events that happened, between him hardening his own heart and the Lord hardening his heart for him, he refused to surrender. Even though some of his, his magicians, some of his, his uh, you know, cabinet members said, hey man, 
isn't enough enough here? Let's just let him go. Uh, he refused. Pharaoh refused. He refused. As a matter of fact, uh, when we ended last week, Exodus chapter 10, verse 28, this is what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh said to him, that is Moses, get away from me. Take care never to see my face again, for on the day you see my face, you shall die. Pharaoh saying, I've had enough of you, Moses. I've had enough. And if you're uh, hard-hearted, Pharaoh, and you haven't listened to nine plagues, what do you think the Lord is going to do? Eleven. <laughs> Remedial math is in order, son. <laughs> we, we, will, we will have a tenth plague, and that's where we pick things up today. Exodus chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. I want you to keep this, this definition of crescendo. I want you to keep it in the background of your minds. The Lord said to Moses, yet one plague more, not 11, son, they're going to stop at 10. One plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, and afterward he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. You speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. Listen to this. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt and in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. And I thought it was worthwhile before we begin as God is making these declarations to remember the differences between God and Pharaoh because Pharaoh would say he was going to do some stuff and every single time Pharaoh he would not do them but God every time he says he's going to do some stuff he's this fancy word we like to use he is faithful every time he says it that's how it happens when he looked at Moses and said, look, I'm gonna, you're going to go, you're going to talk to Pharaoh, you're going to get in front of the president. He got in front of the president, and the president's not going to listen to you. I'm telling you in advance. I'm going to harden his heart. i got a whole big plan here. This is what's going to happen. Every step of the way, what God said would happen is what would happen, and God is saying something's about to happen now. Did you hear what he said? He said, this is the last one. Moses, he's about to send you packing, and he's going to send you. And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, he, he makes this, uh, this is going to happen. He's making a promise here. And then he says, listen to what he says. To me, of all the miraculous things that is done in the course of the Passover, or, or of, the, of this plagues and everything coming up, this may be the most miraculous thing of all to me. It's fascinating. God says, look, I want you guys to go to your neighbor's and ask them for gold and silver. Now understand, gold and silver were just as precious back then as they are today. Alright? I want you to think about this. These people have witnessed all these terrible things happen because Pharaoh won't let the Israelites go. You know, uh, I have been hit in the nose by my children. Lots of times. Them babies are notorious. Jake's over there grimacing because he got hit by my children today. And there are times when I've been hit that I had to like think about the fact that these are my kids because I don't know how I would have handled it. Like if Jeremy would have hit me like that, I may have had a different response that I need to have with the baby. 
And what I'm saying is these people have been brutally dealt with at the hands of God because of these people. And God's saying, I'm going to give you a favor with them. Go ask for gold and silver and they're going to give it to you. Now, if, if you just watched all your livestock die, your farm down, uh, you've, you've seen all these animals, frogs and flies, you, and they come up to you after you just suffered through all this stuff and said, hey man, can I have all the gold in your house, Luke? Do you think that you would just be super real, really happy to give them your gold? You'd be like, you know what, buddy? I had about enough of you people. <laughs> you know, I don't know. that It's an amazing thing to me. But God grants, grants these people favor. As a matter of fact, what it's, it grants Moses favor. That the people, here it is, the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. That the Egyptians see them, oh, you want some gold? Here, have some, have some gold. Some silver? Nope, no problem. All right, moreover, the man of Moses was great in the land of Egypt in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of people. I will tell you, I mean, I don't know that Vladimir Putin walks in to Odessa in the Ukraine and people are like, yay, you know what I'm, you get what I'm saying? Like, Moses and, and what was happening here because Pharaoh rejected hurt the people dramatically. And yet, God granted them favor. <laughs> with the Egyptians. It's a, it's a miraculous thing. This is, this is an amazing thing all its own. The story continues, Exodus 11, 4 through 9. So Moses said, uh, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt. Listen, here's the plague. You want to know what the plague is? Here's the plague. And every firstborn... Raise your hand here if you're an oldest child, if you're a firstborn child. Every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. All right, everybody that raised their hands, lay on the floor. You have to wait for your question, Jake. I'll get you after, okay? Every firstborn, I'm just kidding, you guys can get up. Every, I love that you were willing to play along. Every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill and of all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt such as there never has been nor ever will be again. But, now listen, but not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that, we will go out. And Moses, he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger, and the Lord said to Moses, after he makes his proclamation, Pharaoh will not listen to you so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So the Lord says, uh, we've had nine plagues. The tenth one is death. I'm taking every firstborn in the entire land of Egypt. I'm taking every firstborn person. I'm taking every firstborn animal. 
This is a, a, a heavy, it doesn't matter if it's Pharaoh's firstborn son. It doesn't matter if it's, you're going to have to wait, bro. What? We've got so much to go through. You have to hold it. No, you have to hold. What if there's twins? One of those twins was born first. Yes, they do. <laughs> ask me about, hey, ask me about Jacob and Esau, first of all. And second of all, who said God knows who was born first? That's right. We are dealing with God. He knows who the firstborn is. You're not tricking him. And he says, look, death is coming. And there is going to be a cry. There's going to be so much anguish in the land there, that it has never been heard before. This is, this, is, this is going to get them, and they're going to chase you out. But I just want you to know, I love this. I'm putting a hedge of protection around my children. A dog won't even growl against you guys. Understand, everything else is not, but my people, they're in my hands, and they are protected. Exodus chapter 11, verse 9, the Lord said to Moses, again, Pharaoh will not listen. He will not listen. He's not going to listen to you, Moses. Yeah, I'm telling you to go, but I'm just telling you what's going to happen. He's not going to listen so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. That, that for the rest of eternity, we will be talking about this story. All right, understand. You're going to keep talking about this story, and we are still talking about it today. And again, we got a, a real proud Pharaoh who has set himself up in opposition to the Lord our God. Exodus chapter 11, verse 10, we get this little kind of parenthetical statement. Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. And I thought, man, let's, okay, we got our crescendo. Well, it started with a bloody river, and the Nile turned to blood. And then... We had frogs, and I showed you guys the awesome pictures of frogs. And then we had gnats, and then we had flies, and then we had all the livestock you know, dying from this thing. Then we had our boils, then we had our hail, then we had our locusts, then we had darkness across the land. And at every single step, God spoke it. He said, this is what's going to happen. And God did it exactly how he said it was going to happen. No deviation. Exact 100%. This is exactly what happens. And now again, God is saying, warning, warning, this is about to happen. Get ready, folks. Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. You tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. 
a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. God says, look, what's about to happen is such a big deal that we are going to rearrange time. I want you to change your calendars. This is going to be the very first month for you. As a matter of fact, this 10th day, save the date, that's, that's the day. Do you understand? I, I, you're going to go get your lamb. You're going to save it until the 14th day. You, 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 well, I want you to... Man, God spoke in the beginning. God created the heavens and earth. All right, and this was a historical moment, right? History began right there. When we look at the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we, we look at our clock. I don't care whether they change the names from B.C. to A.D. to B.C.E. to A.B.C.D. E.F.G. Whatever they change it to, the fact of the matter is all of history revolves around our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what I want you to see here is the gravity of this situation. We got in the beginning, the beginning of history, we can understand that all history now revolves around this point on the cross and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But I want you to see that history began for them. God said, look, this is a history-altering camera. This is a big deal what's about to happen here. Your month begins now. Exodus chapter 12, verse 7 through 13. They're going to take some of the blood from this lamb that they, on the 14th day, that they, they went ahead and, and sacrificed. You're going to take some of the blood. You're going to put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses. So if you picture the doorframe back there and you see there's a, a board on the left and a, a board on the right and there's a board over the top. He says you're going to, you're going to take the blood. And you're going to put it on that and the houses on which they eat it. And they're going to eat the flesh that night. Roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they shall eat it. He's given very specific instructions on how they're going to eat this, this particular lamb. He says you don't eat any of it raw. You don't eat any of it boiled in water, but it needs to be roasted. Its head with its legs, its inner parts, you shall not let none of it remain until the morning. In other words, you're going to eat it all. Clean your plates, kids. Anything that remains in the morning, you're going to have to burn. And in uh, this manner, you shall eat it with your, your belt fastened and sandals on your feet. He says, don't just uh, relax and kick off your shoes. We're about to get busy here, kids. You need to be ready, packed and ready to go. This is, this is a time of action. This is a fast food dinner here. We're going to have to eat because we got to move. And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the lowercase g gods of Egypt, these idols, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you. Keep that on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. God says it's time to have a Passover. It's time to have the Passover. And some of you guys, you've been in church for a minute, you've heard that. You know that we're getting close to, close, you know, to Easter time, it's, it's Passover. And he says, look, this day... Again, Exodus 12, 7 through 13. It shall be a memorial day. In other words, you're gonna, we have Memorial Day in May 
Every year we remember our service members that gave their life. He says, this is a memorial day. You're going to remember this every year, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statue forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you're going to eat unleavened bread. That's bread without yeast. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your house, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh, that person's out. God's saying, this is serious stuff. You're going to do exactly what I say here, and if you, if you mess this up, they're, they're, they're out. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly, and no work's going to be done for that week. What everyone needs to eat, that alone may be, or during those two days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day, talking about this day, I brought your host out of the land of Egypt, and therefore you will observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the 14th day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leaven, no yeast is to be found in your homes. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. doesn't matter whether he's a, a sojourner or a native in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. Moses called the elders of Israel and he said to them, Listen, boys. Go select your lambs for yourselves according to your clans. You kill the Passover lamb. You take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin. You touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. In other words, you're going to put the blood on the doorpost. You walk inside. You don't walk out. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over. That's why we got this word Passover. He will pass over the door, and he will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statue for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? Now, how many of you know why we celebrate Labor Day and Memorial Day right off the bat? Like, if I didn't just tell you that, there's probably at least a handful of you, you're not going to raise your hand, that really don't know. You don't know why we celebrate some of these different holidays. The Lord is saying, look... You, when your kid asks, why are we doing this service? Why are we celebrating? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the house of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and they worshiped. God has given instructions forever here. And there it is, Seder meal. He says, you're going to have a, a meal. And they, man, they, all this specifics, you can kind of see the unleavened bread. And you can see the, the roasted, roasted lamb and the bitter herbs and, and all the different parts that make this meal. All right? And, man, you're like, oh, okay, well, so Jewish people still do that? Yes, Jewish people still do that. But not just Jewish people. I don't know if you know, know this. There's, there's plenty of Christians that actually still kind of celebrate this because this, this event is actually pointing us to something much greater than what even happened here, which is pretty amazing to think that it's greater. And, in fact, I bet you didn't think about this or know this, but the Lord Jesus Christ celebrated this meal. Matter of fact, uh, if you guys know about the Lord's Supper, 
That's a, a pretty famous painting, the last they were the Lord's Supper. When we celebrate communion, when we remember uh, every single week here at First Christian Church, when we celebrate our communion, we're really reflecting on this event, which was based on the Passover. The Lord was celebrating the Passover. So when we have communion, we, we do eat that uh, delightful piece of bread, right? It doesn't have any yeast in it. It's really a reflection of the Passover, a Passover that was meant to point us a specific direction, meant to point the Israelites in a specific direction, and we remember from our place in history looking back to that exact same person. The exact same reason that they celebrated the Passover. Yeah, it's great about Egypt, but boy, we're, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it in a minute. Exodus chapter 12, verse 28. The people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. God gave them the commandments, and they did this. I know this is, this is like the least uh, popular word probably in our culture. One of, one of those. They, they, they were obedient. They were obedient. They did what God told them to do. They followed the instructions. Obedience is not a bad thing. Again, we go back, you know, a minute, right? Uh, a minute back in time, if you guys remember all the mathematical formulas that I built for you to try to help you understand, look, uh, we are saved. What matters is what do you believe, right? All right, but our beliefs govern our, what we do. What I believe governs what I do. All right, if I, if I believe that Hunter's going to catch me, if I jump off the stage right now and I believe he's going to catch me, then I guess I run as fast as I can and I jump into Hunter's arms. If I don't believe, I'll stay here on the stage because I don't think he'll catch me. What I believe governs what I do. And when what I believe aligns with what I do, that is what faith looks like. Okay, our beliefs plus our actions equal faith. And the, what I'm trying to say is the people obeyed because they believed that God was going to do exactly what he said he was going to do. They believed him. They had nine plagues, and they didn't need to be convinced anymore that Moses was the guy leading them out of the promised land. They believed. So uh, Moses believed. You notice he didn't ask God any more questions. Anybody notice that? Every time it seemed like Moses had lots and lots of questions. All of a sudden, Moses don't have any questions anymore. God tells him what he's going to do. Moses believes him, and so he gets about his business doing what the Lord has called him to do. And then it happens. Exodus chapter 12, verse 29 through 32. At midnight, at midnight, the next day, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house there wasn't even a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night, by night, and he said, Go out from among my people, both you and your people of Israel. You go, you serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks, your herds, as you have said. Be gone, and I love this, and bless me also. 
Midnight rolled around and all the firstborn people died. And yep, people were in anguish. And I was trying to think of a, a clever way to like understand a lot of people in anguish. And I thought, you know, just recently, if you've been watching the news, uh, somebody pretty famous died. The, the Queen of England. And man, you just see crowds of people to their whatever degree in anguish, mourning the loss. But what you got to understand is, I'll tell you what, there's lots of people mourning in England over uh, a lady that they saw on TV. There's lots of people mourning in England uh, over a lady maybe they went to and they've seen her speak sometime in her life. This isn't quite the same thing. These people are mourning their family members that have died, not a single house without a dead body in it. Probably lots of houses with more than one. I'm an oldest son. You understand that? Carter is my oldest son. Shanda would have woke up at midnight that night and there would have been two dead bodies lying on the floor. The whole place, all the land of Egypt was in absolute mourning and terror. If you ever lost somebody, I mean, we can remember all the anguish and heartbreak uh, Adam's funeral. How sad and heartbreaking that was. And imagine every home, every home. That must have been quite a cry. And if you'll remember, go back in our way, way, way back machine to Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. The Lord says to Moses, You will see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand, he, that's Pharaoh, he will send them out, and with a strong hand, he's going to drive uh, you Israelites on out of the land. And of course, that's exactly what Pharaoh did. He said, I've had enough, get out. Get out, you take whatever you want, get, get out. Absolutely, get out. And then... God goes on Exodus chapter 7. Again, we go back in our way back time machine. I will lay my hand on Egypt. I will bring my host, my people of the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment so that the Egyptians, listen, so the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and I bring my people out of Israel from among them. And did you not notice what is the last thing Pharaoh said? Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, God, and bless me also. Do you think he knows that the Lord is God? He's asking for blessing in the midst of this. He recognizes, yes, yep, he's the Lord. Go, you guys do whatever you need. Please bless me. As the land is reeling and mourning. He says, get out. <laughs> Just get out. Get out of this place. I am done. And, you know, uh, we keep going back to our ancient newspaper, the Ipawar Papyrus, 1400 B.C. And, you know, this is a pretty big deal if this really happened, right? You'd think they would talk about it. And sure enough, here it is. Here it is. Forsooth, the children of princes are dashed against the walls. Forsooth, the children of princes are cast out in the streets. He who places his brother in the ground is everywhere. It is groaning throughout the land, mingled with lamentations. 
Yep. They recorded it when the sun went out. It's darkness everywhere. They recorded it when the firstborn was dead everywhere. And again, God draws the line in the sand. Again, he makes uh, uh, the distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians. My people and your people that have rejected me. So, we'll get there. What does Moses' story tell me about God? Okay, again, big surprise. God is in control. <laughs> he has absolute authority over his creation. God has the authority to make promises. He has the power to fulfill them. God does draw a line in the sand. He makes a distinction between his children and those who have rejected him. There is a day of judgment. We, we, we talked about this. He does draw the line and he says, look, I'm making you an offer here. You can take it or you can leave it, but there's a time where you're not going to make that decision and there's a consequence. There's a consequence. God is just. He's absolutely just. And he will judge us all. And we just seen Pharaoh and his crew. get But most importantly, what does this tell me? Listen, this is critical. This is the whole point of this. The Passover is meant to point us to Jesus. The Passover was meant to point them to Jesus. If you remember, uh, if we go way back in our way back machines with Abraham and Isaac up on the hill and, and how, how crazy it was, all the things Abraham said and the way that worked and how that really pointed us to Jesus, this is the same kind of thing. The Passover was meant to point us to Jesus. You, 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 we, we got our lamb, but man, oh man, this is what uh, uh, John the Baptist says as Jesus strolls into the scene. And John's down by the river baptizing him. He takes one look at Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus will be referred to as the Lamb of God in lots of places. We'll see him as a slaughtered lamb in the book of Revelation where he is the lamb who, is, who looks like he's been slain, who is the king, who is the only one worthy to open up the scrolls. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And just like the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Lamb, listen, marked the Israelites as God's people. Remember, they, they put the blood on the lintel and on the doorpost. They, they, the, the blood of the Lamb marked the people as God's people and spared them from the wrath of God. In the same way, the blood of the Lamb who came to save the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, that Lamb marks Christians as God's people so that we will be spared from the day of wrath to come. There is a day of wrath. There is judgment coming. But when God looks at us, just as much as those that, that, that angel come and, and seeing the, the blood on the lamp, Jesus' blood covers us. That song, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What, what, what can make me new again? Nothing can, nothing can make me whole again. It's the blood of Jesus. In the same way, the blood of Jesus marks us. It marks us as Christians. The Lamb of God covering us. The Passover's pointing us. It's pointing us to Jesus. So what's the point, Sean? Why does that matter? What's the, what, what, why? Why are we talking about all this? First, God again, He's faithful to carry out the plans He has for our lives now and the life yet to come. Understand, God had a plan for Moses' life when he was floating in a basket. He knew this day was coming. There was no mystery to God. Oh, gee, I hope my guy shows. No, he, he had a plan and he carried out that plan for his life. All right. 
God knows everything that's going to happen. He knows every choice we're ever going to make. He's omniscient. That's the fancy theological word. He knows everything. You're not surprising God. Every choice we'll ever make, every circumstance we'll ever face, and is ahead, behind, and with us in the moment, ordering our steps to accomplish His will in our lives. We see it with Moses. We see it with Aaron. We can see it in our own lives if we'll just look. The Lord Jesus Christ will separate the children of light from the children of darkness. He does draw a distinction. He says, you folks over here, there's wrath, and for you that are covered in my blood, there is life. So the question is, are you a child of the light? Who do you say Jesus Christ is? That, 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 shouldn't, that, that was the last week's question. So the, the real thing I'm trying to say is, A, sin has an inescapable price. It has an inescapable price. The question is, who, who is paying the tab? Romans 6.23 says this, The wages of sin is death. It's inescapable. And yes, physical death, yeah, we're all going to suffer a physical death, but that's not the death that's talking about. There's a spiritual consequence. There is a wrath that is going to be coming. There is real death. The second death in the lake of fire where you burn in fire and brimstone forever separated from God. The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God offered to anybody who will take him up on it, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is, Jesus says, again, we go back to our picture of the Passover. Jesus says, and I quote, remember that blood on the doorpost. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Do you understand? His blood has covered us. And if we will walk through that door... Jesus has paid that price, and that Passover is meant to point us to this. It's meant to point us to him. So the only question, that, there's only one, there's only one relevant question at this point, which is have you entered that door? Do you belong to Jesus Christ? Pharaoh played with it. Do you think in his head he sat and looked in the mirror and was like, well, maybe one day I'll really let them go. Maybe one day I'll make a decision and I'll make that Lord my God. You think he played with it? I don't know. I mean, you'd think after seeing all these crazy things at some point, you know, he at least had a couple flashes where he seemed to get it and he'd made promises. He just wouldn't follow through on them. He at least considered some stuff, right? We at least know that much. Maybe you've considered some stuff, but are you kicking it down the door or have you entered the door? Have you actually made a decision to follow Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us uh, in story. I love that, Lord. We're, you know, whatever. We live in a culture where we're fascinated by stories. We'll watch TV. We'll watch TikTok. We'll watch Netflix. We like stories. We like good stories. We'll read books. We'll read series of books. And Lord, here you are communicating to us through, through the life of a real man. But boy, it's a heck of a story. It'll suck you right in. It'll, it'll grab your attention. You know, I'm, I'm just reminded of that phrase. The Bible's not boring. If you think the Bible's boring, you're probably boring because the Bible's not. You speak to us in an exciting way, God, and you, you are speak clearly. 
You speak clearly. These pictures that you paint over and over again, you are, you are communicating clearly. You are pointing us to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord. And if there is even one person, even one person in this room, even if they've taken a couple steps towards, towards, towards the Lord, but they haven't walked through that door yet, Lord, I pray that you would just, that they, let them hear your voice, Father. Call them home. Call them home because the day of judgment is coming. And we can't fake it. There's no uh, pretty words we're going to use. There's no pretty smile. We are either washed in your blood, Lord Jesus Christ, or we are dirty and we are cast out forever. Lord, help us all to be clean. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, small groups.